4: Pack your bags and get ready for a different kind of Vegas experience with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Steven Maggi.
5: Welcome to Las Vegas, a place that is known for headliners. From the Rat Pack and Elvis to Lady Gaga, nobody does it better than Vegas, But in 2020, something new comes to the desert. Raiders Stadium, which is also known as Allegiant Stadium, a world-class 60,000-seat facility that will host entertainers as well as the Raiders and UNLV football. So who will be the first act to play there? You'll hear from Jason Braceland, music writer from the Review Journal, who has some ideas. Jason will also give us a preview of music in Vegas in the coming years. And of course, you'll also hear from our team of regulars, your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of Vital Vegas, explains the phrase, Vegas is really a small town, that you hear all over town. Brett Maley of Pawn Stars is here to tell you about all those eccentric artists you've read about. Did you ever want to share an incredible bottle of wine with your friends, but then was scared off by the price tag? This week on The Wine World of Eddie O, Eddie says, Don't worry, just pick up a German Riesling. Finally, on Luxury Living Vegas Style, Gady Madrano of Flipping Vegas helps you answer the question, what can I really afford? Las Vegas is synonymous Let's these go days Vegas, with great baby. entertainment, and it's going to get even stronger as these big facilities are built. And who better to talk to but Jason Braceland, the music writer for the uh, Las Vegas Review-Journal. Jason, great to have you on again. This is a big deal, right, especially the Raiders' stadium. There's no way that isn't going to be a big deal because it allows Las Vegas to bring in acts that would insist on having big, huge crowds of 30,000 plus
6: absolutely and I mean we have a history here in Las Vegas of getting bigger acts that will sometimes play smaller venues you know acts that play stadiums in other markets will downsize a little bit here but to your point there's no question having a full-fledged stadium will certainly I think broaden the already broad you know array of options here now of course we have the uh, you know Sam Boyd UNLV football stadium or you know most recently you know U2 played there in 2009 but it's kind of a smaller stadium as far as stadiums going up a little bit outdated so certainly I think having uh, you know Allegiant Stadium here will enable us to maybe have a few of these big stadium type shows. I mean, uh, you know, even in the biggest markets, you know, the the amount of acts that can fill a stadium is is very limited. So I don't think you'd see, you know, every year uh, a a ton of stadium shows, but certainly I I hope we'll get a few. And I think traditionally when NFL stadiums have opened in recent years, you know, a big act or two has come and kind of christened uh, them. And so I expect, uh, you know, when the stadium opens next year, we'll hopefully get uh, at least something pretty special that will kind of, you know, inaugurate the room.
5: Well, as you mentioned in your article, yeah, kind of whoever was the first one to play kind of sets a standard in a bit. So it's really important. And you mentioned some of the the thoughts of who could uh, meet that big moment. Now, one of them, of course, is the Rolling Stones. And as you know, the the Stones have played in Vegas for years and years. They're great. I think they would be a fit. They certainly could fill it. Uh, And you think just their historical standard might be a great way for the stadium to kick off?
6: i absolutely agree with you there and i mean that would be my odds-on favorite i mean i think the only concern really is that the rumors are that they're going to tour you know behind a new album later in the year next year so i think there might be a minor timing issue will they be on the road at that point point? and when it comes to stadium production the production values are so high and so costly that it's really not feasible for a band to just drop in and do one show It just, it's it's just so cost prohibitive. So for the most part, you know, uh, you know, bands need to be on the road to actually, you know, uh, maximize, uh, you know, the, I guess, dispense costs over multiple dates. So I, they're they're to me the obvious choice, and I think they will be. I think the only thing again is does it line up schedule wise? They don't hit the road until October, right. November. Um, you know, will will that work out? But. You know, that that's my odds-on favorite, I think. I think it makes so much sense. And they they didn't play Vegas the last time around on their most recent tour. They're due to come here. And to your point, they have a long history of playing here. So that's kind of who I, I hope it's going to be. Well, I'm a
5: big Stones fan from way back. And the one thing I love about their stuff is that they can play a big facility. And their music is – by music, I'm talking about from a technical standpoint, it doesn't matter where you sit. I, I went to an event and I was like in the worst seat you could possibly have in the top deck. This was in San Francisco. And yet it was probably as good a sound as I've ever heard at a concert. So I, I think they can handle it, certainly.
6: Absolutely, and I don't think this. You know, obviously the stadium isn't being built with concerts in mind. But to, that being said, to your point, just the advances in sound and technology, I think that would only enhance the experience. And I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're taking that into account and taking that in mind with video screens and whatnot. So, you know, if the Stones can rock you know, some of the older big stadiums that, that were far less conducive to having concerts than these modernized ones, I, I don't think they'd have any problem selling out the room. And I bet you it'd be a, you know, pretty good experience as far as stadium, uh, you know, show.
5: Now, also on your list is Metallica. That's a great pick simply because they've got such a great uh, connection with the Raiders, even back you know going back to Oakland and so forth. So it, it kind of fits that part of it being primarily built for the Raiders. They might be a good fit from that end, but can they fill a stadium like that?
6: I don't think they can fill it completely. Now, maybe they have, when they opened up the uh, the Minnesota Viking Stadium, they played with another pretty big band, of Ben Sevenfold, nowhere as big as Metallica, but still a pretty big act. So maybe if you have like a, a loaded lineup with multiple headliners, I mean, they have a, a history of touring stadiums, but when they do tour stadiums, it's like I said, they'll put three or four headlining acts on there. I think in that context, maybe, but, you know, if, if it was Metallica, I think they'd have to be satisfied with bringing in, you know, 35, 40 Thousand people as opposed to sixty, which which might be fine. I mean, you can play stadium shows without you know selling every seat and it still being a big success. So I think you know that the Raiders connection makes a lot of sense. The fact that they have a history of, of opening a stadium uh, just a few years ago makes sense, and they're going to be touring next summer. So a lot of things line up for them. I think you know the Stones would certainly do better box office, but Metallica is uh, you know more than capable of, of like I said doing. Thirty-five, 40,000, I would say. They played T-Mobile Arena here last November and set the record, you know, the current yeah. attendance record you were like a little over 20,000. So certainly they remain one of the big draws, and I think that makes fit. But uh, like I said, I'd lean stones if it's between one of the two.
5: More with Jason Braceland in just a few moments. Time now for your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com. Today, Scott explains just how he's able to break story after story. Vegas is still... A very small town explain what that means because we're, we're talking plus two million people and yet I, I
7: sort of get it the people that make the decisions around here it's a small group yeah it's um it's interesting because every once in a while i will share a rumor about a person or a place or a thing without fail people will chime in and i don't even have to give the real scoop because vegas is such a small town the rumor mill and the just there is a core, especially in the casino industry. I don't know if this is true of like the dentistry industry, but in the casino industry, people know the players. So I will say, um, we, you know, there is this nefarious character doing this, and I will not say the name. And five people will chime in and give the exact name that I'm talking about. So it's uh, a, a sensitive area. But the Me Too movement, Vegas has seems to be impervious to the fact that it is a. It is rife with people doing just bad behavior. Steve Wynn took the brunt of it, but it's happening at every casino. Every business has these folks, right? So I'll drop in this hint of like, well, you know, this executive who's moving to this new uh, hotel casino has a little bit of a reputation. Everyone will chime in with the exact name of this uh, tend to be kind of like scoundrels, I guess would be the fun way to say it. but it's also true just in terms of personalities. shows have certain reputations and I don't even have to say it. It is a small town word gets around. Um, that's where I get a lot of my scoop is the fact that it's always one degree of separation from the actual from a boardroom dis- discussion that's confidential. It's one degree of separation because it's a small town. A dealer will know the scoop. Everybody knows the scoop. Somebody in a restaurant, a concierge will know the scoop. I love that Vegas is a small town because everyone's one degree of separation away from me. But it's a lot of people, 2 million people. But ultimately, uh, the scoop comes down from one or one or two kind of centralized sources. Like, I'm going to take credit for being one of those. And it, almost universally, there's 10 people that can back it up because they've all either seen it or they've heard about it firsthand. Ask a cocktail waitress. Anything you want to know, she knows everything. Every food and beverage manager knows everything. They know all the players. They know they if you want to know where the best slot machine is in a casino, ask a cocktail waitress, a bartender, ask anybody who works there. They all know. Vegas is a small town they'll tell you where the best machine is at the next casino too because it's a it feels like a small town place I know there's pro sports and there's you know there's billions of dollars involved in in the kind of business side of Vegas but ultimately it's people and people talk and it's a gossipy town and I love it because I love the gossip and the scoop and I bring it to you Stephen Maggi at Vegas never sleeps. I bring it to you second. I got to say my Twitter account gets it first, but you get it second.
5: You can read Scott Robins' unique look at Vegas every day on VitalVegas.com. More with Jason Braceland in just a few moments. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the BizTalk Radio Network. <laughs>
4: The Orleans Hotel and Casino. Over 1,800 rooms, 70 lanes of bowling, an 18-screen movie theater, 8,000-seat arena, fabulous dining, virtual reality, a giant race and sports book, and the biggest stars are in the Orleans showroom. The Orleans Hotel and Casino, where the action is hot and the parking is free. The Orleans Hotel and Casino, two blocks west of the Strip and just minutes from the airport. Book online and save at orleanscasino.com. This is How You Vegas.
5: When you go to Las Vegas, you have to know what you're going to go see. And there's no better place on the web to go than VitalVegas.com. You hear Scott Robin, our Vegas insider, every
7: week. What are people going to find when they go to your site, Scott? Everything you need to know about Las Vegas, from shows and restaurants and a lot of inside dirt that you won't hear anywhere else. And a lot of photos, too, and a lot of snark, right? (laughs) That is the case. (laughs)
5: Yes. You can't miss it. VitalVegas.com.
9: Another Film Rental Discovery.
0: Welcome to the Indie Film Minute, where the artist wowed us and even won an Oscar for Best Picture. Blanc & Nieves is a more worthy reminder of the unique art that ran rampant within the best of silent films. Wonderfully, this retelling of the Snow White fairy tale is not simply a children's bedtime story. True to the original Brothers Grimm, there is no sugarcoating of the evil at work. In this Spanish retelling, Antonio is a star bullfighter who has a very bad day. Showing off for the crowds and his pregnant wife, Antonio is gored savagely, leaving him a quadriplegic, while in surgery his wife goes into labor, passing away during the delivery of their daughter, Carmen. In mourning over his condition and the loss of his beloved, Antonio shuns his daughter and succumbs to an evil temptress who absorbs his wealth and locks him away in the darkness. And what of Carmen? She is saved from evil by a troop of traveling bullfighting dwarfs who name her Blanca Nieves, Snow White in Spanish. But you know the story. Though the originality in this retelling is delightful, extra power resides in its reminder of the uniqueness of the silent acting form and in the beauty inherent in rich black and white imagery. Both a sight to behold. Blancanieves. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental.
8: When might you be buzzed when you suddenly love everything? You guys! I love
10: this song! I love these nachos. I love our kickball league! Ugh! I love this guy! What's your name? You know what I'd love? A ride when it's time to head out.
1: If
6: you see a buzz warning sign, call for a ride when it's time to go home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council.
10: I love your car. Is this real leather?
4: Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Jason Braceland,
5: music writer for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Yeah, and I think the other part about the Stones is that it appeals to a wider audience, don't you yeah. think? I mean, yeah. I like Metallica, but that's a little more limited.
6: Absolutely, and, and I should point out too that when Metallica did open the Minnesota Stadium the night before, Luke Bryan played, so it was a you know it kind of casted that that wider demographic net, you know? Because yes, I mean. It, you know, Metallica has their their fans, but it's hard rock metal audience, of course. And maybe they want to reach a, a broader audience, like the, the Stones, kind of hits all demographics and all age groups. So, you know, uh, you know, again, all signs point to them. And, and I think that's some of the, you know, maybe the nitpicking of some of the other acts, like some of the pop acts, like Taylor, you know, Taylor Swift or Beyonce, who could technically, you know, probably do pretty well in a stadium context. But do they really tap into that? You know, that opening, you know, NFL demographic, you know, in, in the same way, I'm not sure that they do. I think Metallica, there's a little shade of that as well. So maybe they want something that, you know, again, kind of casts as, as broad a net as possible for that first big show that, you know, for everyone to enjoy.
5: Well, another one with the Raider connection that you mentioned, and I think it's a kind of an interesting thought, at least as a, as a secondary choice, is ACDC. And especially with Brian Johnson coming back, which is really what ACDC is.
6: Yeah, and I think that's a good one too, and I think they're going to be on tour next summer. That's all that, you know, that's rumored, and, uh, you know, of course, when they, they also have a long history of playing here, and they do really well in this market. Um, you know, I, I, again, I think they're probably in the thirty-five, forty thousand 40,000 range, maybe, for a market this size, so you'd have to accept maybe a slightly lesser draw, but, you know, again, we're talking about 35, 40,000 people. No one's going to be disappointed with that, um, but I, I like that choice too, and I think that's. That one is kind of on the realistic side of things as well, and I think that kind of hits that that demographic. Yeah, they're a hard rock band, but they've got such a broad, iconic catalog that I think appeals to more than just hard rock fans. So, you know, I definitely think they'll be in the running as well.
5: Two of the long shots you mentioned. One, you just talked about Taylor Swift, which she has played. I know she sold out the stadium in Seattle, for example, the football stadium. But it, boy, sure does it make a, a a clean fit with the Raiders, and I I, I just think that there's but there's better facilities in Vegas for Taylor Swift anyway.
6: I think so too, and I mean I just you know again people forget this isn't this isn't a huge market. I mean we have huge shows and obviously a lot of tourists coming in every weekend, but you know I, I think she's more suited to selling out uh, you know T-Mobile Arena. I mean I put her on there just because and again, she is a legit stadium filler in a lot of markets. So I'd be remiss not to mention her. And she hasn't played Vegas on her own headlining show since 2009, I believe. So she's kind of overdue. But I, it just doesn't feel like a good demographics fit. And we haven't seen in the past, you know, pop acts really opening up these stadiums. So she could fill it. I think it's a it's a long shot possibility. But I'd be surprised if she was the one that that was kind of tabbed. And it's the same way with Beyonce for kind of similar reasons. You know, again, huge draws. You know, they, can, they can do these, they can fill these rooms in other markets, but I, I don't think it's the, the, the perfect choice for you know, in this context.
5: And the fifth choice, and I think it's really interesting, is Bruce Springsteen, because I've always heard about a big stadium. This was the one thing they said, why Springsteen won't come to Vegas and so forth. And But, as you mentioned in the article, he isn't out touring. I mean, the last thing he did was that Broadway thing, much, 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 much smaller uh, facilities Kind of seems like it would have to be something they'd have to pay him a lot of money and have to be really important to him. And I doubt that he's a big Raiders fan. <laughs>
6: Yeah, I don't think so. It's definitely not a team fair, right, from the boy from New Jersey. But, uh, you know, he's suppo- he said he's going to, you know, uh, he's, he's rumored to be making another album with the E Street this fall. And if he does so, I think he'll be on the road next summer. So he's had this weird aversion to, uh, to Vegas for a while now, but, you know, for reasons unknown, he's re- never really articulated why, but, you know, he's done numerous tours since the you know, this century, and he has you know, always get Vegas. So, I don't know, would a, would a new venue maybe you know, outside of a casino, would that, you know, entice him to come back here and play? I don't know. But, I mean, he's another one that, you know, I think he could fill it. I mean, he's still a, a huge draw. He plays a lot of stadiums. So, I, I think he'd be a pretty safe bet as well. And, and, you know, once I wrote that article, a lot of people, you know, offered me up a bunch of suggestions. Folks suggested maybe an all-vegas bill of the Killers, Imagine Dragons, and Panic! at the Disco. I think that's kind of an interesting one, though. No, I don't think it would fill it, yeah. but I think that could be kind of a novel way of getting, I don't know, thirty thirty thousand, thirty forty thousand 30,000, fans in there. I mean, you know, something like that might be uh, up their sleeve, something a little Vegas-based. I think that's a long shot, too. None of those acts could, that, yeah. that that bill certainly couldn't fill a stadium in another market, but, you know, a hometown show with the right ticket price, maybe something like that could be paired up with a Springsteen or with an ACDC for, you know, having two nights to, to inaugurate the venue, something like that. It's worth considering.
5: Well, and Imagine Dragons, though, had that kind of bad experience a couple of years ago with the Golden Knights. Not their fault, but you know how luck is a funny thing, and especially the first the first event and the Raiders, maybe they want somebody that they feel more comfortable with, just just from a good luck standpoint.
6: Sure. You know, I, like, like I said, I, I think that's kind of a long shot. But I mentioned that because a lot of folks, when I wrote that article, a lot of folks, surprisingly to me, uh, yeah. um, mentioned that uh, that lineup. Uh, you know, and they, 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 they inaugurated T-Mobile Arena. So, um, you know, it's not out of the question, but to your point, I, I think it's probably – quite the long
5: shot well let's talk about vegas as a music facility, uh, as a as a music culture i know the golden knights said when they first came out their initial thing was to play a lot of classic rock hard rocking stuff and they said towards the middle of the very first exhibition game there they go okay this isn't working and they switched to much more like the electronic music kind of uh, more of a modern feel and it seemed to work uh, so is vegas kind of different in that way maybe than a lot of other venues would be across the country
6: to an extent, I mean we certainly have established ourselves in the last decade as a as a dance music capital of certainly America and, and and one of the worlds. I mean you, you no know, other city gets the the, the level of, of big time DJs on a weekly basis that we do. Now does that have widespread public appeal? I don't know. I mean it's still it, it does well in Vegas but it doesn't draw huge, huge crowds. So I think that's part of, you know, the the DNA of Vegas these days that might distinguish it a little bit from other cities. And then the fact that in recent years we've been able to get residencies more contemporary pop artists like Lady Gaga and like Bruno Mars where, you know, the the model a couple decades ago would be, you got, you know, older acts, you know, know, more further into their career, you know, the Ceylon Dion's and Rod Stewart's of the world. So that's evolved. And I think certainly Vegas has become much more of a destination market for musicians and it's much more modernized contemporary. So I think that that dovetails into what you're speaking of, but... Uh, you know, there's, there's, still, there's still that mix. There's still certainly a big old classic rock, You know, all those acts still do really well. And we have, you know, Death Leopard, Journey, a lot of, you know, Santana, a lot of residencies that kind of still cater to that classic rock audience. So it's a bit of a mix, but to your point, certainly things have become much more contemporary in the last five, six years.
5: You will hear more from Jason Braceland in just a moment. Time now to hear from Pawn Stars art appraiser Brett Mealy. Today, Brett looks at the temperament of some great artists. Do you find that these great artists tended to be kind of uh, peculiar people? I mean, on the one hand, you got a guy like Leonardo da Vinci, who is one of the great geniuses of our world. Uh, Do they all
7: have kind of that thing, or does it just vary across the board? Well, I think it varies, but I think you can definitely look at a lot of the masters throughout history, and in a lot of ways, they're, they're tortured souls. I mean, you look at artists like Jackson Pollock, you look at artists... Even like Picasso um, and they, they in Van Gogh, you mentioned he had a lot of issues. And you know, I think uh, again, uh, art was a was an outlet for them. That's why you know, not to get off subject, I think you know we need to have that outlet in schools and you know for for people that you know might have some some issues that they don't have a way to vent. Uh, art provides that outlet. And uh, again, um, you know, uh, a lot of frustrations too on behalf of certain artists is they have the visions in their head and they can't get them out. Uh, the way they want to see them on the canvas. So, you know, that's where a lot of the turmoil arises, I think.
5: Don't forget to visit Art Encounter on your next visit. Please go to artencounter.com. More with Jason Bracelin of the Las Vegas Review Journal in just a few moments. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi nationwide on the BizTalk Radio Network.
4: Do you own a real business that makes real money? Not just an idea for a business, but a real revenue-generating business. Then we have what every business needs to run and grow. Cash. Call the Business Cash Advance line, and in just five minutes, you could be well on your way to securing up to $1 million in funding for your business. Use the money however you want. Try new advertising, buy inventory, purchase equipment, or pay taxes and other bills. Call now to secure up to $1 million in less than a week. The process is quick and easy. Call the Business Cash Advance line to speak with an account manager now. Representatives are standing by, so if you need to get up to $1 million in working capital to grow your business, don't wait. Call right now.
9: 800-445-1099. 800-445-1099. Call now. 800-445-1099. That's 800 445
4: That's
2: 866-657-8517 As humans, we ask ourselves all kinds of questions. But what if we were forced to ask ourselves a question every day that affected the outcome of the most basic things, the most important things in our lives? The question is... What is your sexual orientation or gender identity? And the answer is the difference between keeping your job or getting fired. The answer is the difference between staying in your home or getting evicted. The answer is the difference between receiving medical treatment or not. Because in 30 states it's legal to discriminate against people based on their answer to this question. LGBT Americans have the right to say, I do, but they don't have the same basic rights as everyone else. Get the facts at beyondido.org. Brought to you by the Gill Foundation and the Ad Council.
10: Times are changing. The circus of politics, healthcare's low standards and high prices, and let's not forget food quality. What to do? Arm yourself with life change tea at getthetea.com. In a world of chemical imbalance and poor air and water quality, it's time you make a move. Log on to GetTheTea.com and stock up on organic non-GMO supplements. Don't forget the tea. GetTheTea.com Cleansing your body never felt so good. And we have a brand new tea called Takedown Tea, which helps support healthy glucose. All natural body support so you can be at your best naturally. All you have to do is log on to GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. We're not a fad that comes and goes. We are the real deal. Join us and armor up. GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. Changing America's health one teabag at a time
4: You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Jason Braceland,
5: music writer from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. I think the last time we talked, Jason, we talked a lot about residencies and how things were changing in Vegas. And You mentioned Lady Gaga and the other group that comes to mind. that's nothing like Lady Gaga. They're a classic rock group is Aerosmith. But those two seem to be the hottest tickets in town. Do you find that's because, at least in Lady Gaga's case, from what I've read, she goes out of her way to make a big deal out of this. They have the surprise guests. Once in a while, she'll go to like a local club or something and play. It's more than just showing up, right? I mean, to really do this thing and to have a great name is one thing, but also to kind of really embrace it in the kind of the same way that back in the day when Elvis Presley and the Rat Pack and all that stuff was a big act in Las Vegas.
6: Absolutely, that's a good point. I mean, and, and, you know, when Paul McCartney came here and played T Mobile Arena uh, in June, you know, there Steven Tyler was getting up on stage, uh, you know, playing the Skelter with them So both those acts have kind of immersed themselves in the community to varying degrees. And another key distinguishing aspect of those shows is they put on, uh, you know, productions that are really unique to Vegas. I mean, one of the issues with the first kind of round of residencies was that the shows were basically, you know, kind of the same set list and oftentimes, The same production that you could see in other cities as these touring acts. These acts would just take their touring show and maybe make a few tweaks, but for the most part, the performance was the same, you know, as if you saw them in Cleveland. And what what we're seeing now is is acts with Putting on really high production shows that you could only see in Vegas. So it makes it a much more unique experience. I mean, get, a Gaga show is just amazing, whether you're a fan of her or not. The production values of it are incredible, and you can only see it here. And what Aerosmith is doing, you know, again, they have incredible, incredible production, state of the art production, and they're also playing some songs that, you know, they haven't played in years. And so it's, it's a unique thing. And I think that's, that's something that acts have cut up, up with, too. But let's do something that. You know, again, if people are going to come into the and and pay these high ticket prices, let's make sure that they can only see it here. And I think that's that's part of the reason you're seeing such success from those acts. uh, You know, that are strong draws in the road, but still, it's special here, and that's what makes people come out and again pay top dollar for some of these tickets.
5: Well, and I think they're adding if I remember correctly, at least 200,000 seats for various entertainment draws. So that do you think that's going to be the key to this, is to take advantage of these technical things? I mean, I think of the uh, Madison Square Garden sphere they're going to build. Uh, apparently, that's going to be a, incredibly technically advanced. And I guess to really make this thing work, part of it is you're going to need acts that can take advantage of that.
6: Yeah, and you know, again, we, we, when you have venues like that, like the you know Park MGM you know Theater where Aerosmith uh, and Gaga play, that's another room that was designed to be as, as high tech as it could be when it premiered. And and because of that, to your point, you get to put on show, spectacle type shows that you just can't see anywhere else, and really pushing that technology, and it just kind of dovetails into with the artists themselves where you get to see something really unique and really special. And I think that's that's really key to, to making this work. Because you feel like, you know, at some point, you would think there would be a saturation point with these residencies. I mean, how many can you have? But that being said, if they're all unique, if they're all distinct, if they all have so- something um, special to offer, then they su- then they can succeed. I mean, it's the same thing people said when we started getting all those Cirque shows. How many Cirque shows is too much? Is it gonna, there's going to be a saturation point. But we saw that... A lot of them really could be successful at the same time because they were all so unique and they were all offered something production-wise that you couldn't see anywhere else. So I think you kind of have to have that mentality when you're launching uh, these various residencies. and A lot of that comes back to the venue itself and what, what is technologically possible. Uh, but the bar keeps being raised, so it's, it's interesting to see how you know, the new venue that you speak of is, is going to take things further because it's extremely elaborate and uh, it's going to be pretty interesting when it finally opens
5: i couldn 't agree with you more, you know Jason Braceland is the really of anybody in town. I think you understand the music scene of Las Vegas better than anybody, so with that Probably. in mind, well with that in mind, and I, I read you all the time, kind of give us your view of what you think's going to be let 's say like in five years when all these facilities are built you 're going to double up the convention sides so you 're going to have people coming in for conventions and so forth this isn't going to turn into a Branson, Missouri, but what do you think it's going to be? I mean, because it seems to me more and more people, this is becoming as important as the gambling, which I thought I'd never say, but entertainment's a big thing, and it's particularly music.
6: Absolutely, and you always kind of think, you know, that there are, you have to hit a saturation point at, at some time, right? But people have been saying that about the nightclub scene for years now, and we haven't seen it there yet. People said, oh... You know, there has to be a threshold where bringing in all these big name DJs every weekend at all these different clubs, it's going to have to hit, it's, the bubble is going to have to burst at some point. That's just, that's just natural. But again, we just have not seen it. So I would, you know, I'd be wary of, you know, the, 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 the notion of oversaturation in all these venues, you know, especially for, um, you know, I understand Vega is different. You can't just look at the market size, uh, you know, sans tourism, and, and predict it that way. But it is kind of a mid-sized market, and we'll see how many of these residencies it can hold. Um, but until I see it fail, I mean, I just gotta, I gotta, I gotta trust the powers and be at this town because they, they, you know, they're they're having a lot of success, and the residencies are, are showing no signs of losing momentum at this point. I think maybe the uh, you know the Gwen Stefani show at, at Planet Hollywood might be one that I think that could, could be doing a little better. But she's adding shows, so it's it, you know it, it's interesting. I mean, I, I don't think I, you know it, I, I think a certain type of act is required uh, you know uh, to be successful here. I'm not sure you know anyone anyone can just launch it just because you have hits in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know I, I don't, you know I have to see it fail or start to to lose momentum before I'd I go on that. Uh, on that way of thinking, at this point, uh, certainly a concern in the future. But you know, all all and they're moving forward at this point.
5: Well, what about pricing? Because some of these things, you know, you look at Lady Gaga, and everybody wants to go see it, and they're they're actually willing to pay thousands of dollars. On the other hand, Janet Jackson goes to the same place, and she finally filled the place, but the prices went way down before she ever got close to selling out.
6: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the roll of the dice, and I I think. To your point, it's like with Stefani and Jackson, I, I don't know that coming here with a big catalog of hits that are, are, are in the past, you know, both of those acts have had, you know, haven't had hits in a while. I'm not sure, you know, uh, just having a big catalog alone will do it for you, for that, for the pop crowd, for the rock crowd, maybe. All right, Death Leppard hasn't had a lot of, you know, hit, you know, current hits either, but they still do great business because people want to hear all the hits from the 80s and 90s. But I think when it comes to the pop acts, it has to be more contemporary. And to justify those high ticket prices, it really has to be a special show. Gaga is a really special show. When you go and see that, you're like, you know where your money went. Um, I was interviewing um, one of the Def Leppard guys a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about going to see Aerosmith's show, and he was like, I don't know how they're making any money. They put (laughs) so much money into the show that, you know, it's so special. So I think people will pay top dollar if they go see a show – you know, where you, see, you feel like you see your money on the stage. Like, yes. wow, yeah, this cost me $150, but, you know, it's, it's a $10 yes. million show. So I think people are willing to go along just with everything else. They're willing to justify the expense if it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing, and I think those acts have been able to do that. It costs a lot of money. Uh, you know, they're reducing their profit margins, but at the same time, they're putting on a special show, and I think those are the things that work. And, you know, to your point, Janet Jackson, I'm not sure 100% that that qualified, and, and that's why that one... Might not have done the business that that guy was
5: doing. Back with Jason Braceland in just a few moments. Time now for Wine World, featuring America's first master sommelier, Eddie Austerlund. And as you know, Eddie loves to pair foods with great wine. Today, one of Eddie's favorites.
1: German Riesling. A lot of people think those are sweet. Yes, they make great sweet wines, but they also make bone-dry, really crisp, great food wines that you need to try. You need to bond with a Somme or a, a wine shop that sells, you know, the, the the grossest Quebec. They call them GGS, which means kind of great growth, but it's the world-class stuff. And you're talking $30 a bottle and up. Um, and Rieslings have such racy acidity and nice fruitiness that they go well, especially with spicy foods, with uh, Thai foods. Um, Whereas you get a spiciness in the food, and you have an offset sweetness that has also acidity. So the acidity cuts through the richness of the dish, but the sweetness tempers the heat from the dish. That's when you're putting food and wine together that people kind of go, wow, this combination is marvelous. Um, You know, I like uh, smoked trout with Rieslings. If I was gonna serve two different kinds of Rieslings and impress people, I might get a Riesling from Alsace, France, and compare it to a Riesling from Germany. The ones from France are fuller-bodied, and they're different, and most people have never had them, so they're walking away from your house going, wow, I never knew Riesling could be so interesting with food, and I tried an Alsace Riesling that was incredible, you know? And then, of course, you you can try the sweet Rieslings, which um, work very well with anything from foie gras or, again, things that are spicy, Eddie O will be back next week with more tips on power
5: entertaining and more ways to enjoy the wonderful world of wine. When you visit Las Vegas, you're always looking for fun things to do, and I think one thing you've got to put on your list is the Neon Museum. It's fantastic. What a way to learn the history of Las Vegas, but by the signs that go back all the way to the 1930s. Go to neonmuseum.org. That's neonmuseum.org. More with Jason Bracelin in just a few moments. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the BizTalk Radio Network.
4: The Orleans Hotel and Casino. Over 1,800 rooms, 70 lanes of bowling, an 18-screen movie theater, 8,000-seat arena, fabulous dining, virtual reality, a giant race and sports book, and the biggest stars are in the Orleans showroom. The Orleans Hotel and Casino, where the action is hot and the parking is free. The Orleans Hotel and Casino, two blocks west of the Strip and just minutes from the airport. Book online and save at orleanscasino.com. This is How You Vegas. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot
3: out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win.
4: Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
9: And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Some films stand apart, individualist and defiant. Like its subject, American Splendor is such a film. It's the story of Harvey Pekar, the snarling everyman who found a certain fame when he produced what was essentially an underground comic chronicle of his own life. It was enough to get him booked as a regular on The David Letterman Show, until his unfiltered honesty got him unceremoniously fired for his attack on the network. It is said that Letterman whispered to him during a commercial, You just blew a good thing, Harvey. Clearly Harvey blew a lot of good things through his pervasive pessimism and his caustic wit. He did not sugarcoat his observations, and this was the key to his success. We know life can be hard, and when it is hard, it can bring us down. Harvey Pekar let us know it isn't just us. This fresh little film combines comic book images, on-screen appearances of the real-life characters interspersed with the actors playing them, narration by Harvey Picard himself, and real event footage, including the Letterman Show. It has the strength of a documentary in which we are enriched by experiencing a unique perspective, one hopefully not our own. American Splendor is an experiment that worked. Independent film where the real stories are told. You can find us at IndieFilmMinute.com.
11: I know what you're thinking. Why would I need a voiceover production company? Does your company need a commercial for radio or television? Are you looking to do an audiobook or web presentation? Then you need a voiceover production company. Black Eagle Sound Design is home to some of the finest voice actors, producers, and engineers in the business. Log on now to BESD.US and find out more. Black Eagle Sound Design will be there with you and your project every step of the way. On time, on target, and at a price you can afford. Visit us at BESD.US.
3: Sweet strawberry icing. You were strolling along in goodwill when just past that mid-century side table and denim jacket you spotted them, nestled in their display case. Miniature donut earrings. Oh, yes!
9: Yes! Yes!
3: Your favorite half-breakfast pastry, half-all-day dessert food, made into your favorite form of ear candy. Oh my. Those bejeweled sprinkles have satisfied some unknown hunger within you. Shh. do you smell that? That's the sugary scent of shopping success. For this is goodwill. And with every item you buy, you fund local job training and more. So go forth! Bring home those donut earrings. And bring home so much good to your community. Goodwill. Bring good home. Brought to you by Goodwill and the Ad Council.
4: Now, let's return to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi
5: we are listening to Jason Braceland of the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Well, then I think about genres that really aren't associated with Vegas at all, like country music, yet I know George Strait has played T-Mobile and so forth and done well, and even the show like Vegas Gone Country, which is a little afternoon show, actually is getting pretty good reviews and people looking forward to it. As the reach goes for even a more national audience, bringing people in, and again, again as I'm thinking about with all these added conventions Might we see that? Might we see some other acts that are more really associated with regional areas right now that may be coming to Vegas just to feed this uh, desire for entertainment?
6: I think so. I mean, I think country's a really interesting uh, example to raise. I've been out here since 2006, and that's one genre I've really seen grow in this town uh, in the past decade and a half for a variety of reasons. I mean, we have the, the ACMs, which is a big deal, and that's kind of expanded to almost like a, a week or two of big shows and celebrities in town. And of course, we have the National Rat Finals Rodeo in, uh, at the end of the year, which draws in a, a ton of acts. And then you have you have Reba and Brooks and Dunn at the Coliseum at Caesar's Palace, which has is, is done really nice business over the years. You know Keith Urban's coming back for a couple of days here um, to launch the the renovated Coliseum. So I've really seen you know the country scene um, kind of grow in this town. We've got a big country club called Stonies that that brings in a lot of the the up and coming acts, and um, and we're starting to get that that country culture. To your point develop a little bit more, and I think I think what all genres of acts are realizing is that this can just be a really good destination market, and we've got a couple of of heavy music festivals now that didn't exist five years ago, because people like to come, you know, all the amenities are here, and when you see a festival in this town, it's very different than seeing it, you know, out in the middle of the woods or, or, uh, like Bonnaroo, or
5: right. you know,
6: on a big soccer field like Coachella, so it's, we really have kind of like the amenities and the infrastructure to make it a more Fun experience where you know music seeing a big show that's just like part of you know your weekend a part of your getaway and there's all these other things to do outside of that so I think all genres are benefiting from that again we've got a big you know hip hop festival debuting this november uh, you know it's almost like every genre is getting hit to the fact that yeah. you know that people just want to come here it doesn't matter what style of music you are your fans will come here to to see you and have a unique experience so that, that's, that's the beauty. Really of it. Changed, you know? yeah i mean yeah. i even
5: like what the punk rock bowling thing you know there's exactly. some pretty good groups to come in here and it's stuff that like well maybe i don't want to hear it every day anymore i remember growing up with it but once in a while that could be a lot of fun
6: yeah, and that sells out every year now. It's downtown. I mean, it's not as big as the other festivals, but still, it, it draws, you know, big crowds of around 10,000 a day, and that's that's a really fun weekend. It's a perfect example of how all these different—we've got the big, uh, you know, Rockavillies Festival. we Las Vegas. Uh, you know, so there's just almost every genre nowadays is is really represented in Vegas, and I think it's more the city itself. It's not an inherent uh, demographic leanings either way. I think a lot of the, you know, fans are coming from out of, you know, Vegas to see these shows. But, you know, it's, it's, it's really, really broadened. And that's something that you didn't see nearly as prevalently a decade ago.
5: Now, it's exciting. And, you know, you have been in this town for a while, so you must love the opportunity. I understand you're a long-suffering football fan like I am. I'm a Raider fan from the Oakland days. You are a Cleveland Browns fan, which that's is right. equally uh, <laughs> difficult and so forth. Are you excited to see them out of the park when they finally come out to uh, Las Vegas?
6: I am. I think it's going to be, you know, great. I mean, I th- there were certainly some questions about whether this could be uh, a professional sports town there for a while, but I think the Golden Knights answered that resoundingly positively. So I, I'm really excited for for the, you know, for, for Vegas to get NFL football. I mean, it's, it's going to be something really special. I and, mean, you know, every day when you drive to the work, you see the stadium being built and there's just so much enthusiasm. So it's, I, I couldn't be more excited. I'm not I am like I said, you know, a long-suffering Browns fan, but I'll still be I'll still be excited to cheer on the the home team when they're not playing Cleveland, of course.
5: Well, that yeah. I totally get that and it's sad for me having gone to so many games in Oakland, but if they had to go anywhere, what a great place to go. So Yeah, you got to come see them. You got to visit. And when you come to Las Vegas, you got to get the Review Journal and uh and in fact, if you don't come to Vegas, but you come once in a while, and you want to know what's going on in the music world. Jason, how do we follow you if we're not in Las Vegas?
6: Um, our website is LVRJ.com. So I have all my stuff on there. You can follow me at Twitter, at Jason Braslin. Um But yeah, I post everything. And uh, yeah, please, I do a lot every week, music-wise. So keep abreast, and we'll, you'll, you'll know everything that's going on in this town, at least musically speaking.
5: We will, and we can't wait to talk with you uh, later on. Thanks, Jason.
6: Absolutely. Thank you. Anytime. I was
5: talking to your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com the other day about what people are telling him they want for a trip to Las Vegas. And he said they're looking for basically a good deal like they used to get back in the day in the 20th century and so forth. But you can actually find that now. The Orleans Hotel. Yep, they got a great casino, wonderful restaurants, everything from upscale stuff to the buffet to fast food. Everything you want. The prices are great. There's lower resort fees and free parking. Why don't you check it out? It's at orleanscasino.com. That's orleanscasino.com. Time now for Luxury Living Vegas Style with Gaty Medrano, star of Flipping Vegas, seen on the DIY Network. Check your local listings. Today, Gatie looks at what you can afford and not afford when it comes to real estate. When somebody comes and goes, gee, I really want this, and they're getting ready. Obviously, they have to go check out and find out what they can borrow and so forth. Is there a number there? Because if they really want something, I mean, I know a lot of people want to live in an area simply that they just can't afford.
11: <laughs> That's most people. <laughs> they, they have a, a price point. That's why before I take out a buyer, they need to know exactly what they qualify for because it doesn't make any sense for me to show you, you know, half a million dollar properties when you can only afford 300,000. It's just going to break your heart. Um, so for me, it, and also it sets unrealistic expectations and reversely, you can have, you can actually afford sometimes more than you even know or your credit. Sometimes you think your credit's so awful because you made some mistakes, but hey, you've been paying your bills on time and it made a, Impact and all of a sudden your credit has improved. So it's always good to know exactly where you're at with regard to what you can afford and also what the value of something is. Like always have your numbers exact.
5: You can find out more about Gaty at Gady at Gady Real Estate.com, spelled G A D Y. Thanks for listening. Next week you'll meet a fascinating guy who draws incredible pictures with just a felt pen. You remember that's that thing your parents said not to touch. Have a great weekend. This is Stephen Madge reminding you. Vegas Never Sleeps.
8: Vegas, here we go!
4: The Orleans Hotel and Casino. Over eighteen hundred rooms, seventy lanes of bowling, an eighteen-screen movie theater, eight thousand-seat arena, fabulous dining, virtual reality, a giant race and sports book, and the biggest stars are in the Orleans Showroom. The Orleans Hotel and Casino, where the action is hot and the parking is free. The Orleans Hotel and Casino, two blocks west of the Strip and just minutes from the airport. Book online and save at Orleans This is how you Vegas.
5: When you go to Las Vegas, you have to know what you're going to go see, and there's no better place on the web to go than VitalVegas.com. You hear Scott Robin, our Vegas insider, every
7: week. What are people going to find when they go to your site, Scott? Everything you need to know about Las Vegas, from shows and restaurants and a lot of inside dirt that you won't hear anywhere else. And a lot of photos, too, and a lot of snark, right? (laughs) That is the case, (laughs)
0: yes. You can't miss it, VitalVegas.com.